Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Geeks podcast. Never thought I'd be saying that again, where we talk about movies, TV, and pretty much everything in between. My name's Albert. You probably know me better as Crafting Bro Studios, and joining me once more is my talented co-host, Brandon Dry. Hello, Albie. How are you, mate? Good. So, yes, we know it's been quite a while since uh, we've done another episode, but... um, We've had some unforeseen problems, which we're going to go into first, and then we'll get on to some of our other topics. So yep. today, today we're going to be talking about some news on the current DC films. We're going to be talking about Doctor Who as well, and the Batman trailer as well, which, which should be uh, fun. Yeah, it so, should be fun. So we're going to start off by talking about what exactly has been happening with the podcast and why we haven't been able to record any episodes. Um, yeah. So, uh, Brandon, do you want to start or? I'll start, yeah. Well, first of all, it's, well, mainly it's finding the time because obviously, you know, you have college and I have like work and that. And then obviously with uh, Christmas, you know, we want to spend time with our families and we're quite busy at the time. But then over over the new year and that, we we were planning on doing an episode over over the uh, over just before the new year, weren't we? But then I got COVID. I got the Omicron variant, which is, to be fair, the symptoms weren't too bad, but at the same time, it was horrible. I had to spend seven days in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've, this is the second time I've gotten COVID, and it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Brandon, I myself was busy with a lot of college stuff because, like, we're, when mm. we were trying to record an episode, I was deep into, like, I was in the middle of, like, this big project that I couldn't really ignore. And so, yeah. Like we came to the decision to maybe put the podcast on hold so like so we could find the right time to record again. Oh yeah, so, so yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. So we it is brilliant to be back recording another episode Espe- and Espe- yeah, especially because I've got a new laptop and desk and all that now, so I it would be a lot better. So hopefully yeah. the audio is okay. Like with my voice, it's a lot louder. Hopefully, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one thing we're also going to talk about, I forgot to mention earlier, is a couple of film delays that have been announced since we haven't been around for a podcast episode. But yep. we will be starting with um, the future of Doctor Who, which we haven't actually talked about on the podcast yet. No, we have not. So, Brandon, I'm assuming you're a Doctor Who fan. Oh, totally. Yeah, I've literally got all the sign, uh, all the Doctor signatures on my wall, mate. Yeah, I think I think I'm pretty sure you've shown me that. I yeah, I got it for Christmas off my mum, which is brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's on a frame just above where I'm sitting now. So, yeah. So we're going to be talking about actually where the the future of the show is going to be going in the next few years. Yep. So recently, Doctor Who, well, Chris Chibnall, who's sort of running Doctor Who at the moment, released a New Year's Day special titled "Either the Daleks," and it's more it's sort of from what I could gather, a more of a Groundhog Day style sort of time loop episode, which, which yep. was a pretty interesting concept for the episode. And mm-hmm. then and at the end of that episode, we got an, a next time, which showed the return of a very popular villain from like the classic series of Doctor Who. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, from John Pertwee's era. Yeah, the Sea Devils. Now, I remember when I did a video on my channel about villains that I want to see return to Doctor Who, I put the Sea Devils on my list. Yeah, and it, from what I can, from what I could gather, the episode the Sea Devils first appeared in included the Master, and it will be interesting to see if maybe the Master pops up again. But I I'll, doubt that, though. 
Yeah. I think maybe they'll save the Masters for another one of the specials they've got planned. Well, I heard that apparently maybe the the Master might appear in the last special of the doc, the Doctor, of Jody's Doctor at least. Yeah. So because, we're going to talk. Uh, yeah, hmm. so, sorry to cut you off there, Brandon, but um, it's all right. It's all right. So, as of as of the time of recording. Right now, there are two more specials left for Jody's Doctor, the Easter special with yeah. the Sea Devils, and then we're going to have an, a big-budget Doctor Who special, which is supposed, supposed to be a sanitary special for the BBC as it celebrates, as far as I can gather, 100 years since they were founded. I Bloody think, hell. 100 I think, years. I think that's the right reason. I can't exactly remember, but that Crazy. is the reason as far as I know. 100 years of Doctor Who? Oh no, not not a Doctor Who. One hundred years of the BBC. So, wow. Uh, yeah. The, so to go, the sanitary special will mark the final appearance of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor and Chris Chibnall as the two are departing together. Yep. And then the exciting part about this is, once Chris Chibnall leaves, the mantle is being handed back to Russell T Davis, who brought Doctor oh, Who back. Yeah. Now, Ross T. Davis, of course, brought Doctor Who back in 2005, and he actually left in 2010 once David Tennant finished up as the Doctor. And then yeah. after, after that, the mantle was handed to Stephen Moffat, who ran the show from 2010 until 2017 when Peter Capaldi left as the Doctor. And oh, then, yes. Chris, then Chris Chilton took over, and to my understanding, he already did some work for the show before he even became show. Yeah, he was, which is, I think he was like one yeah. of the writers, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, now, I'm not interesting... hold hold on. I have to cut you off there for a second. Um, to be fair though, I kind of uh, find it weird how he's rewritten the history of Doctor Who a bit. Bit weird, yeah. but but you got to try and take the show in a new direction in a way to keep viewers coming in, right? Yeah, and I think with Rossi Davis returning, I think the show's going to get a massive boost in popularity because it was it was Russell's era of the show that became beloved by so many Doctor Who fans. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but, oh, I sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off again. But I just got to say, I think Russell T Davies era, the RTD area, was the best Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I, definitely. I will, I will definitely agree with you there. Like, and so, you said about this, and you said about the special, right? Um, do you yeah. think we might see any other Doctors appear in it? Um, I don't know if there's going to be any other Doctors appearing in the Cemetery special with Jodie, but. Um, to go cool. on to what Russell is going to be doing with his era, um, yeah. Russell's going to be taking over in 2023 to hold the 60th anniversary preparations for the show. So we'll be yeah. getting, so we will be getting a big budget 60th anniversary episode for Doctor Who, and we don't exactly know what's going to be in this special, but I would expect maybe it could be a multi-doctor story. Or maybe it could even yeah. be a special that focuses on a different Doctor entirely. We don't exactly know. I'd so, love to. I'd love the Weeping Angels to come back. Yeah. Um, to face off against two Doctors, I think that'd be yeah. interesting. So, in terms of when we're going to get a full series with Davis at the helm, um, I don't think we'll be getting one until maybe mid twenty twenty four at the latest, because yeah, yeah, because Russell, I think, because Russell, I think, gave us an update on where he is with Doctor Who at the moment. Mm. So. As far as things go now, the Thirteenth Doctor's sort of TARDIS interior set has well, has been dismantled, so we're going to be getting a new Ooh. TARDIS interior. 
Oh um, my god, I, I love that TARDIS though. I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I was hoping another Doctor could at least keep it, but obviously yeah. no. You need to each Doctor, yeah. obviously, but obviously yeah. with the with the TARDIS, you know. Which actually, speaking of that quickly, what is your favorite interior design? Mine's Jodie's. Has to yeah. be. I'd say uh, I'd say the Eccleston Tenant interior for me was the bit, I think the best. I think that was too a bit a bit too. I don't know weird for me. I, I didn't really like the design that much, but I lo- I love the I more love Jody's doctors because it's got like that crystal effect. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. So to go back to series 14 and the 60th anniversary in particular, um my guess is we'll be getting a big 60th anniversary special and then come 2024 we'll have series 14 likely with a new doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. Apart- oh, uh, speaking of the new Doctor, apparently Jody doesn't even know who the ne- new Doctor is. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I mean, lo- loads of people speculate on who the next Doctor is going to be. I mean, one one popular choice I should add has been Michael Sheen. Michael who, Sheen. Uh, yeah, he was in, he was in that lockdown comedy stage with uh, David Tennant. So that, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good tick in anyone's mm. books. He's worked with a previous yeah. Doctor. <laughs> maybe Kevin Hart. Maybe Kevin Hart should be the Doctor. <laughs> You're kidding, right? It'd be like Trout. <laughs> sure, I'm just kidding. Of course, I wouldn't. Yeah. Re- I don't think I'd really want that to be yeah. the Doctor. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think, I think the next Doctor they've got to strike like sort of a right balance between, uh, comedic and dramatic because, oh, uh, I think that I think that was just sort of the criteria that I think Matt Smith's Doctor fell into, like, sure, he was a comedic personality, but he, he always had his dark moments. Yeah. So I think, I think if they find someone who can sort of nail, nail that aspect of the Doctor, then, then they've got it. And with, yeah. I've also heard rumours that apparently there's going to be another female Doctor I'd be on board for seeing a female Doctor under David, which which would be pretty interesting. I'd love to see a black female Doctor, mate. Yeah, I think because um, there was an actress called Tania Miller who's been in Doctor Who before, and she's worked with Rusty Davis on a show called Years and Years. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen it or heard of it. Well, people have been calling for Tania Miller to actually become the new Doctor. Oh wow. I mean, it's not a bad vision by any stretch. It's just she wouldn't be my ideal pick for the Doctor, really. Yeah. Well, to be fair, actually, I'd love a, a black male Doctor, I think, actually. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have brought that point up. Like, because, like, sin, like since 1963, the Doctor has just been a predominantly white character. And I think if they, yeah. found, if they found someone from a different, let's say, ethnic background, then... That, that would be a pretty interesting way to draw in more viewers for the show. Yeah, they've already brought in more viewers for Jodie's Doctor when they broke the barrier of gender, didn't they? Yeah. Although technically, Jodie isn't the first female Doctor because in 1999, there was this, uh, let's say, comic like comic release special called The Curse of Fatal Death. And yeah. um, it featured Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, as like the Doctor, who I think was implied to be the ninth incarnation. And <laughs> then they... Then they had um, Mac called Jonathan Price. He was in, in one of the Bond films. Like they yeah. had him play the master, and then the Daleks got involved as well. Like they they brought in like a couple of different actors to play the same Doctor. 
Like so they brought yeah. in, so they had Rowan Atkinson, Richard E. Grant, Jim Broadbent. I think that I didn't mm. didn't really expect that. Hugh Grant, who I think who I think got approached to play the Doctor in once the new series start production, but he declined. Yeah. And I think Hugh Grant has said to this day that's the worst decision he's ever made, declining Doctor Who like that. Yeah. But he, I mean, he has said something about returning to play a villain, which I think will be interesting. Yeah. Hey, by the way, what do you think about Hugh Jackman? Do you think he should be a player villain or something in Doctor Who if he had the chance? I mean, I wouldn't put it part. I mean, it would certainly be an interesting idea to include Hugh Jackman in Doctor Who, but. Um... Well, he, I think he'd make a good master. Don't know why, but I think he'd make a good master. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it would be interesting f- for an Australian audience to connect with Doctor Who because Hugh Jackman yeah. it does come from Australia. And I don't even know if you can watch Doctor Who in Australia. I, I, I don't know if you can even get it there. I'll just get NordVPN. There you go. Yeah. To, to clarify, this this episode is not sponsored by NordVPN. No, of course not. <laughs> Heck to the name. If it was, that'd be cool. But no, no. No, with uh, with uh, obviously with the Doctor Who, you know, it's just a big thing, and that, and obviously when you were talking about Ron Atkinson and that, and that's yeah. not really canon to the actual show, is it? Oh no, definitely not. Oh, that and, would be cool if it was though yeah. in another universe. Yeah. So, so before we move on to our next topic, one thing I'd love to see Doctor Who do is actually maybe time some Big Finish stuff a bit more because, so for those of you who don't know, Big Finish are sort of an audio story company here based in the UK, and they yeah. create. They create all sorts of audio stories, and they they do a lot of um sort of Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, They've they even... had uh they had Christopher Eccleston come back for some audio dramas. Yeah, that was that was as far as I know that was relatively recent. So yeah, that was yeah, yeah. And I think Eccleston has said he won't return for Davis's era. I think no. But, uh, but one yeah. thing I should so uh, final thing before we go on to a different topic. Um, yeah. Ross T. Ross T. Davis said in the past before he came back to the show was that yeah. he'd love to see Doctor Who have more of an expanded universe feel, kind of like what um, the Marvel, like n- not multiverse per se, but kind of like what Marvel and Star Wars are branching out with, like having multiple spin-offs for different characters. Well, they kind of did that in the RTD area with like Torchwood and that, didn't they? And like Class. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, class was more of a Moffat era spinoff, and then oh like, yeah, it, like uh, during Davis's tenure, we had the Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. I yeah, mean, that's oh, more of expanded. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Davis tackle the What If style series. I actually, well, I'm not actively working on it now, but I, I've got my own sort of Doctor Who thing called Realm of Possibility, and oh, it's yeah. and it's kind of my answer to What If Doctor Who did a Marvel What If style series. It's not animated, but it's just like sort of my own pitch for a Doctor Who sort of multiverse series, like explores different possibilities in like the Doctor Who universe. Like, oh, what yeah. hap- like what could have happened here? Like what if a different character yeah. was here? Have you, have you seen a uh, Doctor Who vanquishes? Uh, or the, uh, or the, uh, or, sorry, but the survivors of the flux or. Oh, fl- oh the, uh, you mean, so you mean series 13. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not fully up to date on it. I, I didn't really get too immersed in the series if I'm honest, well. but. I saw. I, know, I, don't... I, I did see a couple of episodes, and I thought it wasn't too bad. So yeah, well, I... um, they have uh, they've explored this idea that th- they've now made the they've basically made the multiverse canon to the show now, so yeah. they can go in from leave the old universe and go into another. Yeah, 
so that's that, gonna... that's canon. That's canon. Yeah. So that's it on the Doctor Who front. So now we're going to move yep. on to um, the DC news. Now I also had more film delays on here, but we'll we'll get to that after this. So yeah. if you if you haven't been following a lot of the DC news recently, here's what's happening. So the Flash movie, which is slated to come out this year, still apparently yeah. will be making some drastic changes to the DC timeline. Hmm. Yes. Is this so, about the Schneiderverse as well? <clears throat> yeah. So for those yeah. of you who are, so for those of you who were fans of Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill's portrayals of Batman and Superman, sorry folks, they're on their way out. Apparently, um, well, Ben Affleck has said he doesn't really want to return as Batman because, like, after Joe, I, I, after like the Joss Whedon Justice League situation, it it had like a negative impact on his mental health, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean, Henry Cavill has said multiple times that he's still up for coming back as Superman. So, I mean, I wouldn't understand why you'd want to get rid of Superman as well. So that's the, that's the primary thing I don't really understand. Wait, did you say he was he was up for coming back as Superman or not? He, ha- he has said on multiple occasions he'd like to come back. <sighs> this is disappointing because I really wanted him to meet Shazam, like his version of Superman to meet Shazam. Yeah, and actually speaking of Shazam, supposedly at the end of the Flash movie, we're going to get a new Justice League with... Um, I'm quote, I'm quoting from memory here of a news report I saw. We're going to get a new Justice League with um, Sasha Kelly's Supergirl, who's being introduced in this film. Uh, Shazam. What? So I don't, I don't exactly know where the Flash is going to take place in the DC timeline, but I can assume it will likely be set at least maybe bef- just before the events of Shazam: Fear of the Gods, the sequel to the first Shazam film, yeah. and. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'm just disappointed that the Schneiderverse isn't going to be canon anymore. So they're kind of sorry, they're they're kind of doing a stupid move for that. But you know, like the Marvel universe are doing way better than them with No Way Home. So yeah. So this new Justice League is going to consist of Sasha Kelly, Supergirl, The Flash, Shazam, and Michael Keaton's Batman, who's actually returning for this film. All right, that I'm excited for. Michael yeah. Keaton's Batman. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing like the rumors of Keaton's Batman being brought back for sort of when I heard the rumors of Keaton's Batman being brought back for the Flash, I thought I knew it. Batman Beyond. Because I, I would because Batman Beyond is an interesting property because it takes place years into the future and it's got yeah. the concept of what if Batman was still around in the future. I mean, that, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Batman Beyond's been adapted into... Well, Batman Beyond was a TV show that started in the 90s, and yeah. I, think it was, I think it was meant to follow on from Batman the Animated Series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think so. So, as far as I know, it's one of the many shows under the like sort of DC animated banner, because, we, yeah. because there was um, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, the new Batman Adventures, Batman Beyond, Justice League, yeah. Justice League Unlimited... So there are a lot of animated Batman shows, like do like doing like nineties to two thousands, yeah. And then I don't exactly know what happened because oh, that era of like the animated DC banner, I thought I thought was brilliant because I w- I would love to see sort of that era of the like the DC animated era explored again. It, it was a it was a pretty good time. Yep, that does that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm good. So, so I think that's pretty much it on the DC, like the DC films front with like the Snyderverse and all that. 
So we're going to move on to um, film delays. So um, since we're since we've been gone for a while, we have had quite a few film delays. Um, well, recently, in fact, um, Morbius with uh, Jared Leto has been delayed to oh, around yeah. to April first of this year, which is not too far away. Yeah, not too far away. Right? Although I'm not sure if the I'm not sure if this is a genuine delay or if they're doing it as an April Fool's joke. Because yeah, I doubt that. Yeah. Now, well, uh, did you say? Did you say it was on April first? April first, yeah. So, oh really... god, that's the day before my birthday. <sighs> hmm. Yeah. Oh, that. What a coincidence. <laughs> wow. Anyways, continue. So, another another film delay that happened while we were gone was Indiana Jones Five, which unfortunately has been delayed to 2023, which pisses me off quite a lot because I love Indiana Jones quite a lot. Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, he's getting the fifth film. Oh, uh, didn't hear about that. All right, that's something new to my ears. Wow. Yeah. When was the last film he did? Like, when was that? Two thousand. Uh, last Indiana Jones film I think was two thousand eight. So it's been quite a while. Oh my god. It's been it's been over ten years. So we haven't we haven't it's... gotten an Indi- we haven't gotten an Indiana Jones film in over ten years. Fucking hell, man, that's crazy. Well. Cool. I'm excited to see it. Please, I beg them, do not, do not bring Shia LaBeouf back. I don't. I, Brandon, believe me. I think Lucasfilm. Well, well, here, well, here's the thing. Um, Indiana, like Indiana Jones Four: King of the Crystal Skull, was made before Lucasfilm, who also made Star Wars, and like the like Lucasfilm was founded by George Lucas. Like he yeah. he did uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, as far as I know, was made before like Lucasfilm and the rights to Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that. Uh, yeah. Before so Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was made before Lucasfilm got sold to Disney. Oh yeah. So I, th- I think if I think if Disney can sort of handle Indiana Jones in the right way, then I, I think I think that would be pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They better not bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm open to the idea of an Indiana Jones five, but oh, I think we'll, I, I think we'll be better if Indiana Jones got adapted into like maybe a Disney Plus series, because I, that's an animated seemed, series. I, I mean, I mean, that's a good idea, but I don't, I don't really know if animation really suits Indiana Jones all that well. All I right, mean, maybe you got a point. Yeah, maybe yeah. You got a point. Yeah, because, um. Uh, there are certain there are certain characters and properties that work better in live action and animation, like for yeah. like, like for example, I mean, Spider Spider Man's work works better in both mediums. Animation, yeah. he's had plenty of animated TV shows. Yeah, um, w- one of them did include Drake Bell. We don't speak of what happened with him. <clears throat> yep, he's irrelevant. Yep, uh, that is in that is indeed irrelevant. Touchy and subject. Then, yeah, I think at one point Neil Patrick Harris from How I Met Your Mother play like did the voice of Spider Man at one point, which is interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've got no. I mean, I've got nothing against Neil Patrick Harris. Like Bonnie Stinson is one of my favorite fictional characters. This is not Nicolas Cage. Uh, Nicolas Cage actually, <laughs> well, technically Nicolas Cage has played Spider Man before in like the animated Into the Spider Verse film. He played Spider Man Noir. Oh he's yeah, a, like he's from like he's from a dark nineteen thirties world where the Great Depression is still a thing. So. Oh yeah, but he looks depressed all the time though with his yeah. face. So, 
So yeah, there, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some like there are certain properties that work in different mediums. Batman works. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, Batman again as an example has worked well in both mediums. Some successful, yeah. some not so successful. We don't speak of George Clooney now, do we? No, nah, not do really. <laughs> George, I mean, George Clooney's Batman was. Ugh, it, just, it just makes me shiver thinking about it. Cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What's the next delayed film then? Uh no. Well, Morbius and Morbius and Indiana Jones were the only ones I remember hearing of recently. But what there about- were so. There are what about Rise of the Beasts? Thank you for reminding me. Um, Transformers Rise of the Beast, which I think we talked about in our first episode together, Brandon. Um, yeah, we it, did. It, it got delayed to 2023, which is kind of disappointing. I don't... Maybe I don't, the, I don't know the exact... Like, yeah, I don't know the exact reason behind why they why they delayed it, but... Um, they're kind of dumb because they're, apparently they've wrapped all the film in, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, this film is going to be interesting because it is... It is following the timeline established in Bumblebee, so it's going. Yeah. It, it is completely separate from the Michael Bay films. At least that's I, what the people. At least that's what they're saying. I keep, I keep having these doubts. Like people keep thinking that it's connected to the Bay films still or not. I don't know. They're yeah. sending me mixed signals here. Yeah, I think, I think if Rise of the Beast does well, then we might get maybe a full including Rise of the Beast, we might get a full trilogy of new Transformers films. Like, like at least, like, this whole this whole story that I think is going to be established from Bumblebee, it might yeah. even... I think, I wouldn't be surprised if we got, like, some live-action elements from, like, the original Transformers movie from the 80s adapted. So, like, so the this story starts with Bumblebee arriving on Earth in the 80s, then the yep. 90s we get the Terracons, Decepticons, Megatron, and all that. Then we we eventually get down the line. We lead to another Transformers film, which will likely, uh, in fact, here, here here's my pitch: the next two Transformers films, after Rise of the Beast, are a two-parter that adapts the animated Transformers film from the eighties. Like part one yeah. will deal, part one will deal with maybe the Decepticons trying to terraform Earth into a new Cybertron. Oh, and that then- sounds like from Transformers Prime. Yeah, and then Optimus Prime manages to stop Megatron, but at the cost of his own life, and that's the end of the like the first part of this two-part story. No, and then the, <laughs> and then the next part, we go back to Cybertron, but Unicron's there, and he's about to destroy Cybertron. Which, and don't get me wrong, those are going to be some terrifying visuals because Unicron is massive, especially in live-action form. Bloody hell, that'd be crazy. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, to go back to I know, uh, the Bay films, one thing I didn't like was how Earth was apparently Unicron. I don't really... They that, took that, just, that out of Transformers Prime. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really get... I mean, again, going back to my previous point with the film delays, certain characters work in certain things. Yeah. Like, but in case of a story element, it's got to work in, in its own medium. So mm-hmm. Unicorn being Earth in Transformers Prime works because that's an animated show. In the Align and, continuity, yeah. Yeah. And Unicorn being Earth in the live-action continuities doesn't work because it would be a bit too... Uh, I, th- I think it would just be a bit too dumb for sort of a live-action premise, I think. Yeah. I don't like how they left it on a cliffhanger, though, in the Bayverse. Yeah. 
I don't, and I don't. I think Transformers Six would have actually answered a lot of questions we had, like Unicorn being Earth and all that. Yeah. I mean, that will that probably would have given that probably would have given the filmmakers the chance to finally get rid of human characters. Because I know that that's been sort of an issue with a lot of Transformers films. The human characters aren't likable. Case in point, Shia LaBeouf. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Bye, bye. Yeah. Helen all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not completely opposed to the Michael Bay Transformers films. It's just um, so some of them are not. They don't make as, sense. Yeah, some of them aren't as good as others. I mean, Transformers. Tra- I'd say hmm? Transformers One. I would give a confident six out of ten. Transformers yeah. Revenge of the Fallen. I would give a two out of ten. <laughs> Age of Extinction. Ugh, makes me want to bath. Yeah, Dark of the Moon. I would say is. I'd say, uh, I'd say it's a four out of ten for that. Like yeah. they tried to, they tried to repair it a bit, but not enough. Yeah, I don't like how the Decepticons rised out of the moon. That didn't make sense. Yeah, but I mean that was mainly because Sentinel Prime had a ship that crashed on the moon. But then again, I didn't even, I don't really understand the story. Of, I don't even understand the story of the entire Transformers universe. Uh, I don't really understand yeah. really that much about the uh, the Bayverse because it's kind of. It, that, that, they just bring random shit in there, like the, with the knights in there. Like, why? Yeah. Like, it, they could have just, I don't know, maybe just had an Optimus Prime become, like, a Ryan Pax become Optimus Prime after Sentinel disappeared yeah. and all that. And then, yeah. you know, Megatron goes after it. And then, like, yeah. all this knight shit doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And I think I think that's the genius thing with Bumblebee. They haven't started with like just a big Transformers team up film. They've started with a, a solo film focusing on one particular character. Yeah, I know. At some, I know at yeah. some point they were going to try and make a mega. They were thinking about making a Megatron film. Yeah, I think I think the key thing with doing a Bumblebee solo film is it introduces us to this new Transformers universe because. Yeah. Like the Bumblebee film opens with the war on Cybertron and with the Transformers heading to Earth. Because, Especially with the classic designs. Yeah, and that's another thing. Using like using the original G1 series as a basis works because Bumblebee gets the Volkswagen Beetle design, but then he, he switches to a Camaro around sort of the end of the end of the film, which I don't, have you, I, have, I don't really understand. I know why. why yeah. I know why. It's because why, well, why, why did Bumblebee hmm? switch? I was just wondering why Bumblebee did it, why did he switch to a Camaro at the end of the film? That always confused well, me. They basically, um, when they first finished the film and all that, they wasn't sure if it was going to be a success or not. So if the film wasn't successful, they could just keep it as a prequel to the first 2007 Transformers film. But yeah. if but if it was successful, they'd just reboot it. Like for yeah. Rise of the Beasts, it's going to, that he's going to have an off-road mode of a uh, Camaro, if you see yeah. the like, photos and all that. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be the same. Is yeah. the Michael Bay's. So, go, so going back to what you said about Bumblebee being a prequel to the original Bay films, that doesn't really nope. sit. That doesn't really sit right with me because, nope. Like in in the voiceover for the original Transformers film in two thousand seven, it's established Optimus Prime has not been to Earth before two thousand seven. So, so that, obviously they would extinguish that as a soft reboot. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well, I. I mean, had the Bumblebee film not been successful, and that and that film being a prequel to, like the like the original Transformers film from two thousand seven, wouldn't really work because Optimus hadn't been to Earth since before to well, 
Ultimus hasn't been to Earth before 2007. We neither have any of the other robots. I mean, yeah, that's the thing though. With uh, you know, you know what the, the studios are doing because when Michael Bay did them, he didn't even give a fuck about continuity in that. All he cared about was money and tits and cars. Yeah, and a lot of people would likely agree with you on that. More that is true. He just wanted money. He didn't even care about the fragile story or making sense. Well, if I was to make a Transformers film, I'd focus on story, story, story at a time, and I'll just chuck mm. random shit in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, also, I mean, if you make a Transformers film, it's like it has it has to have like a a really good story, like, especially with the Align continuity that had a good story. Yeah, wait, what continuity is that again? Transform- the Align continuity, Transformers Prime. Yeah, I mean, try. I mean, Transformers Prime, I think, is like a good example because that had a relatively decent continuity. I think. Yeah, like also with the uh, continuity, like uh, have the net new Netflix series that recently just ended with Kingdom. That yeah. uh, the story there was a, eh, a little bit uh, questionable, but I think it made sense. Like it. They like did timelines and multiverse and all that shit, but they made it work. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm holding the the uh, Earth right, the Cy- War for Cybertron Optimus Prime in my hand right now, actually. Yeah. Okay, so so that basically concludes our whole thing on film delays tran- and transformers and what have you. So we're now going to move on to the Batman trailer, which. Oh yes. Yeah. So. So to go off onto a bit of a tangent, I'm a hardcore Batman fan like i i've been i've been a huge fan of about like a lot of batman stuff since around 2014 ish and I, yeah. I, I i mean i've been i mean i'm one of the people willing to go on record saying they enjoyed ben affleck as batman i mean i'm yeah. sure I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will go on record too saying that they loved affleck's portrayal of the character but I mean, it's a shame that affleck is being written out of the dceu because that doesn't make sense they should keep yeah. him in yeah, one thing I think they could have done is maybe Bruce Wayne retires as Batman, but he passes the mantle onto a different like character in the Bat family because the Bat family is one of my favorite corners of like the DC universe because you've got Batman, Nightwing, Red Hood, Tim Drake, who's Red Robin, then Damian Wayne, who's all who I think was also Robin at one point. Then you've got yeah. Batgirl, Batwoman, Alfred, like there's, there's all these different characters. And I think the best idea would be to pass the Batman mantle onto Dick Grayson, who in the comics took on the mantle of Batman after... So it, because in DC Comics, there was this storyline called Final Crisis, which was part of a Crisis trilogy, which included Crisis on Infinite Earths, which got adapted for yep. the Arrowverse. I love um, that. That was good. Infinite Crisis, which brought back Jason Todd in the original continuity. And then there was Final Crisis. And that, yep. killed, that killed off Batman which led to the Battle for the Cow storyline. And it even included Jason Todd, Red Hood, who was yeah. also the second Robin, taking on the mm-hmm. mantle of Batman. And he ki- he started killing and torturing criminals, which oh for, Batman, for Batman is pretty dark. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I know after like the death of Jason Todd, Batman went a bit off the deep end and started uh, punishing criminals a bit more fiercely. But Jesus, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think... That's the thing with Batman. He doesn't. He doesn't kill. That's his one rule, and it's sense. And neither does Optimus. 
Well, that that's morally questionable because Optimus killed yeah. Megatron. At, Optimus killed Megatron and Dark in the Moon, so I think that's morally questionable. Though. Well, that was the Bayverse though. That I'm talking about the Transformers Prime. Like he didn't want to kill Megatron, but then he yeah. had no choice. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm I'm not sure if Optimus Prime might be a pacifist or not, but yeah, I think if he loses it enough, then he might think about yeah. it or something or do it yeah. but at the same time so i can see the similarities between the both but at the same time batman i think would be a bit more ruthless because after all he, optimus is a robot where where batman has yeah. a lot more temper tantrums and stuff because he's a bloody human yeah so let's go so let's go on to the batman trailer itself so mm-hmm. so recently we got a batman trailer called the bat and the cat now, the, this Batman film is interesting because a lot of people, I think, used to make the assumption that hmm, this is a Batflight prequel. Interesting. But before, even before Pattinson signed on, I think Ben Affleck was, was going to write and direct the film. In fact, this was even before Matt Reeves signed on to direct the film as well. Uh, because I think Matt Reeves, who directed Planet of the Apes, he, I remember him saying he was also as big of a Batman fan as he was with the Planet of like the original Planet of the Apes films from, I think, the 60s. Yeah. So, so Matt Reeves directing a Batman film is interesting because he, he knows how to deal with a lot of unique characters. And Batman certainly has a lot of unique characters in the, not, just, not just, like, uh, his Bat family, but also his yeah. rogues gallery. Like, a lot of them are unique in their own way. Yeah. And I think Matt Reeves using the Riddler as the villain for a Batman film is pretty good because Riddler is like, he's probably going to be the main antagonist of this film. I know Colin Farrell is showing up as Penguin, but as far as I know, Riddler is going to be like the main big bad of the, this film. And that's oh, yeah. That's going to be interesting because I think Riddler being a villain early on in Batman's career reminds me of the storyline from, I think, the, the New 52. It was one of the, one of the DC reboots. And the, the storyline is called Zero Year, and it's basically a retelling of Batman's origins. So, yep. we're, we're, like, we get a retelling of Batman's origins, and Batman's got a different suit. He's just starting out. He doesn't really know what's what. Mm-hmm. And and the Riddler is one of the first villains that he faces. And yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Albie. I yeah. don't really know who Riddler is, because I don't really know the history of okay. Batman. Uh, so, the Riddler is essentially... If you so, um, the, there's Is it like villain. the Joker. Well, Joker's more of Batman's like arch nemesis, like they're like they're. I wouldn't say Starcross lovers. That's not. I don't really think that's the right. That's the right expression. But Batman and Joker have a rivalry. Whereas with Riddler, he's more of a. Let's say he's more of an intellectual enemy to Batman, like because Bat Batman is ridiculously intelligent. Like he. He, he's like the world's greatest detective. And that, that's the yeah. one thing they're going to explore in the Batman. The Riddler is meant, meant to be sort of a more of a men, mental villain to Batman. Like, it's like Batman being like his, Batman's is he like more of an enemy. Like, uh, let's say he's more of a psychological, more of a psychological and intellectual enemy, if you, if you get it. That because, sounds that sounds that sounds like Norman Osborn and Tony Stark. They're like sort of enemies. It yeah, sounds I like that in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I go. I guess you could make. I guess you could make that 
sort of comparison, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably not a good enough comparison. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in my opinion, each villain of the Batman represents a different aspect. For example, yeah. Joe. I mean, Joker is like the big, like the big bad. He, him, and Batman are destined to do this forever. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I think that's the case with the Arkham games. Like, so, like, since because in the Arkham games, for example, um, Batman's been fighting Joker since the second year of his career. In Arkham Origins, yeah. Joker actually, um, he sort of masquerades as Black Mask, and no, he's basically a, like a crime boss. And he puts a pretty hefty bounty on Batman's head. All these assassins yeah. come to try and kill Batman. Deathstroke, Deadshot, Bane. All, all these different villains come and try to kill Batman. None of them succeed, of course, depending on how good you are at the game. But the main story, none of the villains actually get to kill Batman. Oh, that's good. Then. At least we don't have to witness the death of our favorite, char- of the favorite character. Yeah. I mean... I mean, going back to my point, certain villains inhibit a certain aspect. Like, Riddler is more of an intellectual match, where, say, villains like Bane or Deathstroke, they're more of a physical match for Batman. And I'd say, I'd say Deathstroke feels that better, because, I, I mean, Deathstroke, um, he doesn't just inhabit the Batman universe. He's for loads of different characters. For He's for um, characters from the Justice League. He's even been a member of the Suicide Squad, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. And you know, I mean, well, in the Arrowverse, Deathstroke is mainly introduced as someone who was on the island with Oliver Queen before he became Green Arrow. Yeah. Because it's a well in the Arrowverse, it's it's well established that Oliver Queen was stranded on an island called Lian Yu for around yeah. five years. After that five yeah. years, he came back to he came back to Starling Sea, became the arrow, and well. Anyone who's who's followed the Arrowverse throughout all the other shows very much knows the whole story. Yeah. Oh, um, speaking of like the Batman and that, yeah. You know, yeah. do you? I can't remember how long ago it was. Um, you know the Joker movie, yeah. The um, I'm uh the one what the Joaquin Phoenix one, yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah, the latest one, the one with uh, um, the guy that was dancing on the stairs. Yeah, well, uh, that's the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yeah, um, I think he should uh meet Robert Patterson's Batman, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would um, no, That would be interesting because I've all I heard. But we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the actual trailer first, and then we'll actually come back to that Joker thing. So we'll, yeah. So what, Brandon? What did you actually think of the trailer? It was quite impressive, actually. Yeah, I kind um, of liked it. I kind of I I think uh. Did I see something? I can't remember properly, but I th- was it? Did I see some sort of like romance spark between Catwoman and and the Batman? I will. I, I, actually, we... I wouldn't be hmm? surprised if uh, Matt Reeves pulls a, a Batman and Catwoman romance because that has happened in multiple forms of media. It's happened yeah. in the comics, and it happened in. I mean, depending on what choice you make, it happens in the the Telltale games because Telltale. Yeah. I'm not. I'm pretty sure they're still around. Uh, they did a they did two seasons of Batman. I'm still hoping for a season three, but one yeah. option there is to embark on a romance with Catwoman. So yeah. in, in episode three, there's the option to have sex with Catwoman. Mo- most people probably chose that option, myself included. <laughs> mm. and, and then in season two, which is called The Ending Within, which deals with sort of how the Joker comes to be in this universe, you get to develop a. Ro- you get to develop that romance with Catwoman further. 
which is interesting. Yeah. Right, all right. Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that well, that would be yeah. interesting to be honest. Yeah. I think that would I think that would cause would you say it would cause a plot twist in a way? Maybe. I mean in I mean in a lot of Batman comics, um uh, well, there was a story there was the hush story on like I I think it, I think um almost 20 years ago, I think now, but the it was basically there was this there was one villain trying to organize all Batman's rogues gallery into one master plan. So Poison Ivy, Catwoman, Joker, all, all sorts of villains get involved. But as is that, it turns is out, that the, is that the Suicide Squad or is that different? Uh, no, this is this is a this is completely different because um, sounds like in that, in that in that storyline, it's implied that the main guy behind all of this is Hush, who is actually Thomas Elliot, one of Bruce Wayne's childhood friends. Well, I think. One of it, yeah. well, his only, his only friend, and yeah. the reason Elliot Thomas Elliot became a villain was because he was jealous that Bruce basically got all his riches handed to him on a plate, and so mm-hmm. he he actually tampered with the brakes on his parents' car, and yeah. well, while while Thomas Elliot's father died, his mother survived, and he didn't get he didn't get his parents' fortune, and this was before oh. I think. This was before Bruce's parents died, so Thomas. Oh Elliot, yeah. So, like, when Bruce's parents died, Thomas Elliot was like, "Right, I don't like Bruce Wayne now. I'm gonna go out on my own, become a surgeon, and totally not become a supervillain and fight the Batman." <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably got a, a wise decision. Yeah. I don't think anyone will <laughs> want to fight the Batman. No. So, so with, I think. Th- with the with this new trilogy, I think Matt Reeves is going to go for a more psychological feel to it because yeah. I, I think he might go for more psychological villains because Riddler is more more of the intellectual psychological villain, like, and he's more of the intellectual match to Batman. Like I've mentioned that quite a few times now. Yeah, just maybe because Riddler is ridiculously intelligent, just like Batman. If you think yeah. Batman's the world's greatest detective, Riddler is the world's great. Probably the world's smartest genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, here's, here's an interesting fact. Batman is so intelligent, he outranks Einstein's IQ. I'm not making oh, this up. Now. Like, Batman's even more intelligent than Albert fucking Einstein. Well, to be fair, though, Albert Einstein, the Bay, um, in his own time, was a genius because Batman didn't exist back then. But at the same time, yeah. you know, if he's more intelligent than Albert Einstein, cool for him. Yeah. So I think if Matt Reeves is going to continue with a Batman trilogy, I would love to see some more psychological villains show up. For example, I would love to see the Scarecrow pop up. Do you know who the Scarecrow uh, is, Brandon? Uh, sort of. Not really. Like I said, I don't really pay much attention to Batman or the universe yeah. mainly. I yeah. just like to look, look at movie trailers and that and just like talk about it. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. So, um, the scarecrow was, out, was actually Dr. Jonathan Crane. So, um, he was obsessed with studying people's fears, and that led him to, well, in in uh, some continuities, I'll use um, like the Arkham games as an example. Um, Jonathan Crane was a doctor at Arkham Asylum and became fascinated with studying people's fears. Yeah, and then that led him to become the scarecrow. Well. 
before before that, he actually got fired from Arkham for experimenting on a lot of inmates. And he, exper- he did. Yeah, he experimented on doctors as well, I think. But oh, he, God, experimenting on the actual doctors. Bloody hell. Yeah, so Scarecrow, I'd say, is pretty messed up in the head. But, oh, um, yeah. But the key thing with Scarecrow is not, the, the, not just the fact that he dresses up like a Scarecrow, but because of his fascinations with fear, he developed a toxin that when he exposes it to people, it causes them to actually see their own fears right in front of them. And didn't, didn't, didn't I see a thing in Batman where they put like some sort of a scary thing in like water, like in the water supply? Uh, I think that was. I think that I think that was in Batman Arkham Asylum because yeah, it, in in that Batman's trying to find a cure to this thing called Titan, which Joker is developing, and yeah. he has he has to find the specific like plant spores in. Like like the the sewer the sewer tunnels, which is where Killer Croc is kept in the asylum. Yeah. And then before before that, Scarecrow's like, right, Batman, don't stop me. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this bag of fear toxin into the like the Gotham water supply. There's nothing you can do about it. Try and stop me. Then Killer Croc Killer Croc comes up behind Scarecrow and then like like grabs him, about to eat him. Then Batman takes a batarang and is like, Killer Croc, put him down. Throws a throws a batarang and. Yeah. Killer Croc, like Killer Croc's wearing like a sh- like a uh, like a shock collar, and then that then he takes Scarecrow into the wall with him, and that's the last we see of Scarecrow until Arkham Knight, like a couple Man. of years later. I mean, there there are actually nods to the fact that Scarecrow is at, is in Arkham City because like there's this, like if you go to a specific part of Arkham City, there's like the like this barge that's been presumably bought by Scarecrow, and if you go yep. and if you manage to crack the code, which is very difficult, I might add, I've tried it myself a few times. When yep. you go in, there's all these containers filled with cockroaches and all sorts of insects. And then yeah. there's then there's this Joker goon like right at the right at the back, and he's going like, Ugh! and it's implied he's been experimented on by Scarecrow. So Probably, Scarecrow yeah. Scarecrow's trying to make more fear toxin, and it's implied he might actually still be in Arkham. He might still be in Arkham City, man. Then in a then in Arkham Knight, Scarecrow makes his big dramatic return to Gotham. I mean, Gotham pretty much gets evacuated. Like, like the like everyone who lives in like the map of Arkham Knight pretty much evacuates the city. Mm-hmm. So, like there's there's three islands in Arkham Knight: Mirgani Island, Founders Island, and Bleak Island. So. Yeah. Founders Island, I think, is the most difficult to get into in the game because, like the the, the like one of the main villains of the game, the Arkham Knight, clues in the name. Um, he mm-hmm. he he pretty much gets him and his army of militia soldiers and troops take over like the those three specific islands. Yeah. So, Bleak Island is a Bleak Island isn't a problem because you just basically had to take out a, a ton of dro- ton of drones. Then yeah. Miragani Island, there's a, a, a bigger a bigger drone force than usual. But then by the yeah. time you get to Founders Island, like there there's a there's a lot more, let's say firepower because you have to take out all these different drones. And there's a specific mm-hmm. there's a specific drone called the Cobra. It's insanely difficult to actually take out because you know, you have to get behind it and then fire a specific shot at the back of the tank. And once yep. you get that shot tank goes boom but if you can't get that shot and the tank sees you then it's 
it's going to start firing at you until the bamboo gets destroyed. Yep. So that, that, sound, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So going back to villains I'd like to see in the Batman, the, there's also the Mad Hatter. And I'm not talking about the, like the actual book Mad Hatter because there's a, there's a villain in the Batman comics called the Mad Hatter who's obsessed with Alice in Wonderland to the point where he actually thinks he is the Mad Hatter from the stories. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is it, oh, Turn I mean, off with your head! <laughs> I mean, the I mean, there's a lot of pretty insane Batman villains that I'd like to see show up in like the future of the series. I mean, mm. it, I mean, Scarecrow and the Mad Hatter too. I'd like to see you show up. But one interesting thing is, I want to see Mister Freeze pop up. Are you familiar with Mister Freeze at all, Brandon? No, never heard of him, mate. Uh, so, um, Mister Freeze was a scientist at this place called Gothcorp, and it, and it deals with more cryogenic technology uh, and more or less how to create sustainability for like Gotham and the entire planet. Yeah. And so the main motive Mr. Freeze had is his wife actually got some kind of rare disease that was un- incurable. And so Mr. Freeze actually put his wife into cryostasis to try and find a cure for her. Yeah. And then depending on the depending on whatever continuity you're looking at, um, for like the the guy who runs Gothport, Ferris Boyle, actually well technically causes Victor Freeze to become Mr. Freeze. And yeah. that's that's something to explored in some DLC for the Arkham games, because there's a DLC for Arkham Origins called Cold Cold Heart, and it basically deals mm-hmm. with the it deals with the origins of Mr. Freeze, with how Mr. Freeze came to be, and even the, the penguin that's involved, who's going to be in the Batman. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'd love to see Mr. Freeze pop up. So, that, that, that would be an interesting thing to see in, in Batman's film. Oh, it would be, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, let's go let's back to what we were talking about before with the Joker. So, oh, yeah. So, you said you wanted to see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker show up in like the Batman films and meet Pattinson's Batman, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that I think because the Joker film was successful, wasn't it? I think I think it was very successful. Yeah, but... well, I think that they should merge the universes. If this Batman film is successful, they should merge it. At least yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I heard I heard a rumor quite a while ago that there were mm. some there was some like the Batman's already had test screens in the film and. Quite a lot of them went very well, and they're they're supposedly doing more test screening with a certain character removed, and some rumors persist that character is the Joker, or at least the this um move move like this universe's version of the Joker, because yeah. there's a like there's an actor called Barry Keoghan. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but um, but he he was in the Eternal film this year. Not not mm-hmm. this. Well, he last he was in the Eternals film uh, last year. And rumors persist mm-hmm. he is going to be in the film and play the Joker. Oh wow! Which will which would be interesting because because I mean don't get me wrong I love the Joker he's a he's a brilliant villain but I think he's just been he's just been done too much. I mean there's already too many portrayals because you've got Jack Nicholson from. 1989, like that, he, he was technically 
the first proper portrayal of the Joker. Then again, yeah. there's also there was Cesar Romero from the sixties who played more of a cartoony Joker. Yeah. And then you've got Mark the man himself. You've got that the man himself, Mark Hamill, who did the voice for the Joker in a lot of animated stuff. Then there's also Troy Baker who did the voice for the Joker in Arkham Origins. Yeah. And, and he, he actually did the voice for the Joker in The Long Halloween, which was a like it was a like an animated Batman film that got released, I think, last year. And it got released in okay. two parts. It got released in two parts, which was pretty cool. Oh no. So leave it on the cliffhanger. Yeah. So I don't I just think I just think Batman's like I think the Joker has been done to death. I think mm. like like putting the spotlight on a different villain, for example, would be a yeah. brilliant would be a brilliant way to dis- distinguish this Batman from all the different incarnations of the character. Like, yeah, because every ver- almost every version of Batman has had their Joker, except well, except Val Kilmer and George Clooney. We don't talk about them, but almost mm. er- almost every Batman has had their Joker. Michael Keaton had Jack Nicholson. Christian Bale had Heath Ledger. Ben Affleck, unfortunately, had Jared Leto to contend with. Oh yeah, he's now Morbius now though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the fault of Jared Leto that his Joker got received so terribly. I no, think it was the people that created him. Yeah, I mean the the guy who directed Suicide Squad, uh, like the first Suicide Squad, David Ayer. I mean, yeah. I think he only got six weeks to write the script, which I don't oh, think. Oh wow, he, yeah, that's not long enough. So I I say predominantly it's on the fault of Warner Bros because they've been. Uh, I think I think they I think they realized they they were screwed after uh, Batman v Superman. They were like, right, we're screwed. We've got to catch up to Marvel. We need to rearrange the whole DC film slate. And then Suicide Squad came out. That sucked. And then they they start getting things to overdrive. And then once unfortunate things happened with Zack Snow and his family, DC were like, right, Zack, we don't need you. We're gonna sack you and replace you with Joss Whedon. Which was a very, very poor decision. Very. Yeah, because I'm. A, I mean, I'm. Do you do you know what happened with Joss Whedon and everything with Justice League and all that? Mm, I heard that he fucked it all up. Yeah, that and and apparently the apparently there's been alleg- there are allegations of racism from Ray Fisher who played Cyborg. Oh great! I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, Ray Fisher. Well, I think he, I think he got removed from the Flash film. I think. He Are was you meant, kidding me? I'm, I'm pretty. I, I don't know exactly, but I think he got removed from the Flash film because of the, because of the claims of abuse he made. Well, that's yeah. just dark and rude. Because if, if they, he got removed, that I think that kind of proves a little bit that they're trying to hide something and that they, you know, that they just want to stay silent and all this, so they're yeah. removing. Yeah. Kind of stupid. That's why I would never, if I had the chance to work on a film, I'd never go to Warner Bros. Yeah. I mean, I think because of the because of the whole Justice League debacle, Christopher Nolan, who who's directed a lot of films for Warner Brothers, uh, he he's gone over because I think he's gone over to Universal for his next film. Good. And and that, that next film I think is called Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. I don't know what that is, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, from what I can gather, it basically deals with the guy who created the atomic bomb, and I think it's good. I think it's going to deal with the story behind that. Mm. So, like, oh, 
I, I'm not a history expert, but I, but I, I know a lot about what happened in World War II with the atomic bomb. I mean, hell, yeah. I think there was a what if scenario on it for well, like a DC crossover. Like yeah. the basic, the basic premise of that crossover was the Nazis actually developed the atomic bomb before the United States did, and so yeah. the Nazis won World War II in that, like, in this different universe. <clears throat> yeah. And the, that crossover was called Crisis on Earth X because well, Earth X, uh, great. Yeah, yeah, and Earth X was the universe where the Nazis won World War Two. Oh my God! Yeah, I think I saw an episode on the Arrowverse version where the uh, where Earth X, like Supergirl, was it Supergirl that met the other Supergirl and tried to take her heart? Uh, yeah. She, see, in that timeline, Supergirl was dying from overexposure to solar radiation. Now, that's interesting because solar radiation is actually how Kryptonians get their powers. Well, well, I guess an overload would probably be too much power. Yeah, and that's it. That I think that happened in. Uh, so there's a storyline called All Star Superman, and yeah. in that story, Superman gets exposed to too much solar radiation, and he ends up yeah. dying. He ends up dying because of it. It's gross. I mean, in it. In that time, in that timeline, I think it's, I think Lex Luthor gets the death penalty. I mean, it's pretty dark. Good. Lex yeah. Luthor's a bitch. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, do you remember what I was saying earlier about how Thomas Elliot uh, sort of sabotaged his parents' car and they crashed? Yeah. Lex Luthor did the same thing. Oh, for God's sake! He actually he did technically he had well good reason to because Lex Luthor's parents were very abusive. Yeah. So, uh, so I say he had probable cause for killing his parents. Okay. So what revenge? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, as long as there, as long as there's probable cause, I I don't really, I don't really see any bad reason for Lex wanting to wanting to kill his parents because they were abusive. Mm. Yeah. Still dark though. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the sub? Is that all that subject done now with the Batman and that? Yeah, I th- I think so, and that pretty much covers everything we've got to talk about today. Oh, so yeah. That- oh, by the way, by the way, there is one thing I would like to mention. You know, when we were talking about Transformers, like a good old series and storyline, yeah, yeah. I think they should make a Shattered Glass series. I think that would might work. Yeah, we can. I tell you what, we'll talk. We'll we. So so we'll here's some here's something we'll talk about in the next episode. We'll talk about. Yeah. What we do with Transformers? So oh that, yeah, yeah. We we'll talk yeah. about what we think, what we what I think should happen. We should like make our own theories. It should be a theory episode or creating your own timeline story or something like that. Episode like yeah. a special one, but instead of yeah, talking about topics, yeah, we'll we'll definitely do that as a as an episode. And mm-hmm. so and so, guys, that brings an end to an episode, the first episode in a long while of the Movie Geeks, and a great feel- return. Definitely feels good to be back, doesn't it, Brandon? Yeah. Um. Well, where are we going to put the episodes again? Um. We're going to put the episodes on. The episode is going to go up through Anchor, which will then take it to Spotify. Then. Yep. Then after I after I do a bit of editing, then I'll I'll put it on our YouTube channel, which which I will see if I I can try and link somewhere, but um, yeah. that. That does bring an end to this episode. And if you wanna yep. if you wanna follow more of our stuff, then go to Spotify, listen to our podcast there, go to YouTube, subscribe to it, 
You can yep. subscribe to our channel, subscribe to our own channels, Crop and Bro Studios and Brandon Prime, of course. And, yep. and we also have an Instagram where we where we have been posting fairly regularly recently to give you guys updates on, what, on what's been happening. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, if you want to keep up to date with my situation or Albie's, um, I've created a community tab on my channel so I can keep you updated on anything that happens, even with the podcast and stuff. Brilliant. So that brings an end to our episode. Thank you guys. For, thank you guys for tuning in and we'll yep. see you soon. Stay primed. <laughs>